0: So it's readings like today's reading from 2nd Samuel that make me wonder if we shouldn't take on the Motion Pictures Association of America and get a rating to put outside the door. I have yet to come across a Bible that has R in it, you know, restricted, you know, no one can read this under the age of 17 unless they're accompanied by an adult. And you know, some of these passages are so salacious, we might as well have them x rated. No one under 18, wow, just stay away. Stay away. This is the classic example of the old axiom, which has now become almost cliche, that absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? Although, if you take it in the context of the wider narrative, there's an even deeper teaching, which I think is wiser than that, and that is power magnifies human frailty. Power magnifies human frailty. Now, there's a way in which this story reflects our culture as well, because we live in a celebrity culture, right? All you have to do is stand in the checkout lines at the grocery store and you see we live in a celebrity culture. It doesn't matter what the tabloids say. It just matters that they've got the picture of somebody we recognize on the cover and there's something salacious going on or supposedly going on in their lives. We like that. Part of the diabolical element of that is we like that because it makes us feel good about ourselves. Well, we're better than they are, really. even though. They've got all this power and we don't. That's the diabolical side, but the flip side of that is, all that we're doing is just looking in the mirror. And it's a magnifying mirror. It's magnified by their power and their celebrity. And this is precisely what's going on in this story from 2 Samuel today. David is human and frail, just like the rest of us. And it's being the celebrity, the king of Israel, that magnifies all of that frailty. And of course, because he has power to influence and control, he abuses it. Notice first of all that the author makes the point of saying that it is spring and it is the time that kings go out with their armies to fight war. Great, fine. but What's David doing? He's back in Jerusalem. He's got his proxies to go out for him, you know? The author is saying it's not just that David's being your average king, he's not being a very good king either. He's hanging out in luxury and he's kind of bored while he sends Joab and the army off to do his dirty work for him. And of course there's this story about Bathsheba worthy of any motion picture. I'm surprised there haven't been more movies made of this, quite frankly the name pops up right but it's the same story we've heard about kings through the centuries you know i think of you know one of our crazy uncles henry the eighth right you know who knew his scripture well and it's like did he read this story was he taking lessons from david but the other interesting thing about this story is that there's no mention of god whatsoever. It's almost as though David's spring has told God to go take a hike. No mention of God at all. The God who appointed David as king over his people, the God who empowered David to be a heroic figure when Israel needed a heroic figure that God is silent, mute, absent, not mentioned, possibly even for a moment forgotten. Like an episode of the Tudors or the Borgia, tune in next week to see what the response to this scandal is. Because God does respond to this scandal. But by way of contrast, this story is a counterpoint to today's gospel, which might as well be in a different universe if you think about them and hold them together in your hearts for a little bit. Jesus, we hear, is in danger of being forced to be made king by the people. Why? Because he's done what good kings do. He's fed them, he's nurtured them, he's taken care of their needs. In a way, he's protecting them. He is out among them. But Jesus slips away to the mountain. He knows the trap of being made king. And more than that, John is really working hard in this gospel to show us that this is not just Jesus a great leader or teacher acting, but this is Jesus disclosing to us how God is among us. And God is among us in a very different way than kings and powerful rulers and celebrities are among us. You notice there's no red carpet treatment in this gospel. There's no tabloid sitting in the checkout line there are no paparazzi Jesus is carrying God out among the people to address their needs to feed them to nourish them and they don't quite understand that and frankly nor do Jesus disciples right It's another classical gospel passage, God is there, Jesus is there, miracles are happening and the disciples are clueless. It's actually good news. It's good news for us who are in this space today to worship and be with our God and to maybe look to see how God is acting in our midst and yet we have no clue how God is acting. That is the great mystery. We're not sure. Maybe in a couple of years we can look back and say, yeah, in 2012 this is what God was doing at Church of Our Savior, but today we have no idea what God is doing. That's actually good news. This is how God works. God is among us, feeding us, strengthening us for mission and ministry helping us help others in the world, but we're not sure how. And that is a blessing, because this is how God acts. Not like the kings of old, who abuse their power, who fall into the traps of frailty, who glory in celebrity while their people struggle and suffer. No, God is among the struggling and suffering with humility, with grace given. And more than that, Jesus comes to his followers when the storm comes up and they are on the boat and the water in the sea is rough. Jesus comes to them and they are terrified. They don't recognize him. This is how God comes to us in the storms of our lives. This is how God addresses and deals with our frailty. So I invite you this week not to look for God necessarily in the checkout line at the grocery store, except maybe in your neighbor, but not in the tabloids. To look for God, not in the places where everything is going great in your life and things are good and I'm okay and you're okay, but in the places where things are shattered and broken and stormy and uncertain and filled with questions. Look for God there. Because as John tells us, that's where God shows up where we need to be fed, where we need to be held, where we need to be comforted, where we are struggling in the storm, and most of all, and this is perhaps the greatest radical element of our faith, in the places where we cannot see God, that is where God is most at work. Hold that this week, hold it for one another and carry it out for a world that is in need.